Welcome to another edition of Come Receive the Light from the Orthodox Christian Network. In the book of 1 Peter, the third chapter, the 15th verse, we read, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. And do it with gentleness and respect. We're going to talk about sharing your faith on today's edition of our broadcast and hear a, a fascinating testimony. Any community with a priest who loves God and with people who are serious, and my recommendation is it's not enough just to kind of go to church and to be a club. Like, be serious. Like, love your priest. Go to confession. You know, fast. Receive Holy Communion. Read the scriptures every day. Like, be transformed by the life in Christ, and people are hungry. And they're just that simple living the faith 2,000 years. That draws people if they're hungry. St. Francis of Assisi is reported to have said, witness for Christ each day, and if necessary, use words. How we live out our Christian faith is so important, isn't it? As others watch us every single day. Again, welcome to our broadcast for uh, this particular week. I'm Mike Trout, and uh, our host is Father Christopher Metropolis. He is the uh, founder of the ministry and also the president of Hellenic College and Holy Cross Orthodox School of Theology. We're a nonprofit outreach. Uh, one of many ministries under the umbrella of the Orthodox Christian Network. And you can join with us, pray for the ministry, and also uh, participate financially when you go to the website at myocn.net and click on the Donate button. We have a variety of ways in which you can give to the ministry. Again, that's myocn.net. Well, one of the best ways to encourage each of us who are believers in Christ and strengthen our faith is to hear the testimony of someone else, someone who has had perhaps an unusual path in their spiritual journey, and we have just such a testimony on today's broadcast. Here's Father Chris. Father Justin Havens is the head priest and pastor of Saints Peter and Paul Apostolic Church. He's lived in Salt Lake City, Utah since 2004. Like many, he is a convert to the Orthodox faith. He was raised in a Protestant setting in Long Island. I'm going to ask him what city when we get to talk to him, because that's where I'm from. During his spiritual journey and after researching many churches, faiths, philosophies, he discovered with great joy and relief the ancient, original church that is the Orthodox Church while at college in New Mexico. After his baptism, his career plan changed from being a physician to becoming a priest, a spiritual physician. His wife, Serafima, is also a convert to the Orthodox faith and is his, as he says, much better half and spiritual support. Together, they joyfully raise seven children, all born here and or there in Salt Lake City. Father Justin and his family couldn't be happier in this beautiful city and parish where God has sent them to serve and labor. Father Justin, welcome to the program. Thanks, Father. I really appreciate you having me on. You have quite a story there, and uh, I think we'll, let's go back probably to the beginning of it, and can you take us sort of from the beginning days to where you are now? That's a lot to do in a short period of time, but just give us the highlights. Sure. As I said, I was, my family's from Long Island. They came in the end of the 1600s from England like whaling captains, and I come from a fisherman family on the way east end. I'm from a little town called Sag Harbor, New York. Oh, I know where Sag Harbor is. I went so, to high school in Riverhead, so I know where Sag Harbor is. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So, amazing place. Yep. The old stomping grounds. So I was raised there in a beautiful town and um, was raised um, you know, Presbyterian and a uh, small town, lots of churches. And to be honest, I didn't take it that seriously. Uh, I went to youth group to meet girls, mostly to be honest, and go bowling. And, mm -hmm. 
you know, it wasn't that serious. And, uh, and I looked around a little bit, and I had a sense that, you know, my friends were all, you know, kind of doing our thing, go to different churches, but it wasn't really, to be honest, transforming our lives. It was kind of a small sliver of our life. And uh, so I went to college. When I left, and went to a small school called St. John's College in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was the only one to leave. They thought I was going to a different planet, my friends, who all stayed back east. And I went out to New Mexico, and uh, it was a culture shock. And uh, But there, I was kind of encountered things like Buddhism and, and New Age and things I had never seen before, you know, as a Long Island boy, really very much. And uh, I kind of threw off pretty easily, perhaps all too easily, any kind of Protestantism of my youth. And I, had, I was going to be open-minded, and I thought I was so smart. I kind of cringe at myself now. Um, and that I was going to find the truth. And uh, what ended up happening is I just became a mess, to be honest. Um, I did well in school, but the more I searched, the more I became kind of dis- disenchanted that there was no truth. I could create my own truth, kind of the modern religion, that I could make up my own deal. Um, and uh, the reality was it didn't help. It made me, made me miserable, my personal philosophy of here's life according to Justin. Um, and uh, I was pretty humbled by life, um, mm. to be honest. And at that time, I was in college, and we were actually reading the scriptures in college. It was, we were taking ancient Greek. It's a classics university, and I was sitting in a class, and we were studying the Gospel of St. John and doing the ancient Greek, and <clears throat> I was really re-inspired really to look at Christianity. And I had a professor, um, Dr. Starr was his name, and uh, just the way he spoke was unbelievable to me. Not just the way he spoke, but the person that he was. And it just he spoke with someone as authority, like kind of they speak about Christ. And and afterwards, I said, "What's the, what are you? What are, what's going on here?" And he said to me, "Meet me on Sunday morning down at the circle, and I'll show you." <laughs> you know, and it was kind of intriguing. And anyway, long story short, he took me a tiny little Russian Orthodox church in the mountains in Santa Fe. Uh, it was mostly not even English, and I walked in, and. Uh, I sensed the presence of God the first time in my life, and uh, it scared the heck out of me, to be honest. <laughs> and I pretty much ran right out because uh, I realized this wasn't a philosophy and a cool way of thinking or how I could have this great life that God was very real and very present there, and I might have to change my life and do things the way God wants me to do. And I was scared of that, to be honest, and my ego and my pride. But um, a couple more experiences like that. And then uh, history, too. That was amazing to me, too, was... You know, there's 20,000 denominations of Christianity, I think, in the whole world or something. And um, I was amazed to find out, actually, there was an original church, and it wasn't lost. I figured it was lost. And to be, just be handed books, you know, my professor, and to say, read this. And it wasn't a matter of my opinion. He always used to say, yeah, I don't really care about your opinion or mine, mm-hmm. um, because there's facts. And in our world of everything is subjective, you know, not who is God, but who is God to you. Mm-hmm. Um that was so refreshing, and it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty. It offended my my ego quite a bit, and uh, it was a lot of humble pie, which is uh, which is important. But thank yeah. God, it changed my life. Really, it was a transformative time in my life, and I was uh, um, baptized there, actually, in a freezing cold river, in the Pecos River oh, in New Mexico, gotcha. yeah. and uh, it was beautiful. And uh, mm-hmm. my wife, I didn't even know her then, but she was there. She'd already been baptized at the Antiochian Church in town, and she was already she was just there supporting another church and. Uh, Long story short is, <laughs> I was baptized, and whole life shift from there. Yeah. So. Sure. Well, it, it does sound like a, a big shift. And um, the, the interesting part about it, anyone that I speak to, I speak to many people in the various radio programs throughout the years, and the key element that I'm finding in listening to everyone is that they were open. And before they were open, they realized that their lives were not fulfilled. 
And once they were fulfilled and they went into it, they didn't find paradise, uh, but they found the ability to move forward and come closer to Christ, and that was probably the best part about it. Um, having found this faith now, you didn't stop there. Uh, you even changed your calling. Like you were not studying for the priesthood. You became a priest. So tell us about this call to the priesthood. Was it a process? Was it sudden? How did that all come about? Initially, I didn't really think about it much. I mean, I was going to be a doctor. Like, I was raised in a poor family in Long Island. I was going to rescue my family from poverty. You know, I was going to be the be a great doctor. I always did well in school. And um, and so I just, that was what I was going to do. And then after my baptism, the priest pretty quickly asked me to help serve in the altar and to help and chant and things. And then he was the first one to mention it. No, you should consider becoming a priest. And I hadn't really thought about it. I didn't even know it was an option. Or And then once he mentioned it and I thought about it, I don't know how to explain it really other than to say that I couldn't see myself being totally fulfilled doing anything else. I asked an old priest who was around, he said, if you can see yourself being fulfilled, more fulfilled doing anything else, then do that, <laughs> is what he told me. He said, but if no, it's going to always gnaw at you, then uh, just go ahead and do it. So, of course, it was a hard shift. My old grandfather, you know, he doesn't even know what orthodoxy is, I didn't think, and, you know, seeing a guy in a black robe or something, and uh, mm-hmm. he, uh, but he was the first one to, to support me. And uh, certainly uh, not the same money as uh, being a doctor, but he didn't care about that. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. You mentioned the town you were from, Sag Harbor, and I, I told you I went to Riverhead, and that was back in in the seventies when I went there. Uh, but that's a different world. Sag Harbor didn't even know what an Orthodox Christian was or is, or even if it existed. Um, and here you are now in Salt Lake City. Uh, where you have an abundance, of course, of the, the Mormon faith there, uh, and you are in an Antiochian church, correct? Correct. So I'm going to try to weave all that stuff I just said into kind of one question to you. Uh, you've gone through an incredible journey, and I know that the Antiochian church is one of the churches that is growing. Um, can you tell us what you feel is bringing so many people to the church at this point? Well, I mean, Utah is a pretty unique place. I mean, I think everyone is searching. I mean, I really, that sounds kind of trite, but I really do mm-hmm. think that people are, whether they know it or not, and they're seeking yeah. it, maybe not in God, but in, you know, things, people, relationships, drugs, whatever, um, we're all different. But I think the people are hungry for God, um, and I think Utah is super unique insofar as people are hungry and talk about it. Like, you know, if you walk around, you know, and you're Rosso, your cassock or your collar or whatever around, you know, New York, no one, no one kind of does. No, no one, no one even flinches. Or if you go to Berkeley, California, people just, you know, it's kind of secular, and people don't really say much to me. Um, but around Utah, everywhere I go, people stop me. What are you? Are you a priest? What are you? I mean, more than I've ever had in my life. Everywhere I stop, people. Um, not only because there's a lot of Orthodox people here. You know, people don't know that Salt Lake City, after the LDS people, Mormon people, the uh, the Greek Orthodox, have been here for a hundred years. Um, right. And so more than ever, I say, Father, 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 so that's nice. But I just mean the people around town. Every restaurant I go to, they stop me, and they're thoroughly interested in the things of God. And I was surprised by how lovely it is actually living in Utah. Um, the LDS Mormon faith so different than Orthodoxy, and of course yes. they don't agree with it, and we have, you know, in love disagree, but just they're really interested in the things of God and what's important and family and those kind of things. So. I really would be bold enough to say it's the richest mission field in America, to be honest. And so it's pretty easy in that sense. You know, we're barely whispering in our beautiful but old downtown church, and we're packed to the gills. You know, we have two full-time priests for—we have maybe 150 families, but we have two full-time priests. We have 
liturgy investors every day. Um, people are at the services. People are, you know, and I, I guess ultimately I would say that the best testament is that the people are, that come take it seriously. You know, we have about half cradle-born Orthodox folks and from all over, you know, from the whole world. And then we have half, you know, Americans, uh, many of them who are LDS or Protestant before, who are finding the jewel of Orthodoxy. And they're really being serious about it. Mm-hmm. They're serious about repenting, and they're serious about fasting, and serious about confessing, and and not just keeping it in the four walls of the church, but actually, you know, not afraid to wear their cross in a place where the cross is not popular around here. The mm-hmm. cross is trendy in New York. It's not in Utah. It no, makes Utah, it, no, no. You know, when you wear it. And, and also just people are open up when they see that, wow, you're maybe becoming more humble. You're working on You're asking forgiveness. You know, like, I just think they're being serious about the medicine of the church, the therapy of the church. And I think they're telling their friends, and their friends are seeing it's not just some fad. It's really changing these people that they know to be, you know, okay. selfish, self-centered people. So that's a, a joy to me that, you know, I meet a few people a day, a lot of people, but our people meet a lot more people, and that's been the way it's growing, like word of mouth. I mean, this past year on Pascha, we, we baptized 25 people on Holy Saturday, and mm-hmm. uh, we already have tons more, more as many catechumens as that almost now. Um, that's this wonderful. New year. That's wonderful. So thank God. Let, let's, let's talk for a minute about you. You mentioned it. Uh, walking in the streets, people will see you, they will talk with you. So there must be some misconceptions that people have about the Eastern Orthodox faith. And how do you help the converts appreciate the apostolic tradition? Because being a convert into the church uh, can also be a dangerous thing. And people don't like it when I say that. But I say it with all love because, you know, a good tea takes time to seep and to be good to the taste. Uh, Coming in, people can get excited, they can see one thing they like, and they run into it. And then once they're in the soup of uh, the alphabet soup of orthodoxy, they say, whoops, what did I do here? So I'm sure there are misconceptions. I'm wondering what, what you have heard. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And I, as a convert myself, I can definitely say that there are absolutely, you know, struggles for people that come out to the faith. And I think that as we have more and more, it's, I'm kind of learning how to help them do that. And to realize, I think Elder Sophronio was something like said that it takes 25 years to start becoming a Christian, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, again, I'm blessed. Our community is really mixed. So all of our wonderful folks, you know, are not, you know, we have some, we have a huge great community, some of them over here, but most of them go there. We have Romanians, Russians, Bulgarians, and, and they... They don't know their faith too well, but they just live it. It kind of seeps out of them, and we're all very close. And so they, 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 they appreciate, and they're shocked by the zeal of the converts, and they mm-hmm. take seriously what they've always had. But on the other hand, you know, converts sometimes are trying so hard to do something. I said, look, they're not trying to do something. They're just trying to be. You know, it's not something you, you got to start straining so hard and just kind of be and be patient. And it's a journey here. And so our community does engender that. And people take each other under their wing, you know, and uh, that's a big blessing. But misconceptions, I think, are... You know, this is the original church. Absolutely, it's the original church. Oh, but I see a problem. You know, maybe I don't like you, Father Justin. I don't like this or that. Maybe, you know, the, the, the scales have fallen from our eyes. No, it's the church is the bride of Christ, but it has human sinful people in it. So there's going to be, it's a hospital. It's got sick people in it. So I think that's a misconception. That everything's perfect because it's the original church, which, of course, is <laughs> not true. Um, I think that initially they come, and when they see me in the streets, they think, are you Catholic? You know, are you at the, is a kind of, are you Catholic or are you, a, maybe I'm wearing my cassock, they'll say, even with the big cross on, they'll say, are you a, are you a goth? Are you a new mm-hmm. ager? Are you a, a I wow. asked the other day, I got asked if I was a rabbi the other day, actually, yeah. with a huge cross on. And that wouldn't happen in New York, but here in Utah, people aren't that aware of different religions. So um, I would say two things, really. I'd say one, misconceptions are, 
orthodoxy is totally unknown. And uh, I think that's a, a joy, and it's too bad. One, it's, it's a joy that it hasn't been bastardized, and it hasn't been, you know, modernized and kind of like that, like many other religions in the world. But it's sad because it's, if it's the pearl of great price, it's, and nobody knows about it. So, um, but I would say that's for newcomers in the streets. For our new people that come in, I think the biggest misconception is, like you said, that it's, oh, just changed my mind. Oh, you know, I was Catholic, but, you know, you know I'm going to change my mind about the Immaculate Conception, the Pope, and boom, now you're Orthodox. Mm-hmm. And so our Bishop, Metropolitan Joseph, one thing I love about him is he's insistent upon a deep, long catechism. So mm-hmm. our parish policy is that if you're, unless you're marrying one of our folks, you know, current folks, but in general... You become a catechumen about the church New Year-ish time, and you have to go through the whole church year. Um, mm-hmm. You have to pass through fasting and actually experiencing all that, and then everyone's received on, on Holy Saturday. And that way, the flashes in the pans don't have, you know, there's time to work it out and to struggle a bit. And it's not just a, oh, I read a book about orthodoxy, I'm ready to be orthodox. You know? Right. And there are those two, let's not, uh, let's not kid ourselves, there are those two who are cradle orthodox who know very little about their faith. And at some point in their life, they come to an awakening. So that, that sort of steady, as you just said, with Metropolitan Joseph, whom we love and respect very much, um, gives you that sort of uh, runway, that on that runway you can go through all the different seasons of the church. You get to go through the fasting. You get to see what is the full picture and why are these things being done? Because many times, you know, we're called, I'm sure you've heard this, the Orthodox Church is called the Marine Corps of faith uh, because you fast and you do this and do that. Well, but there's, there's a means to the end. That's why they're not there in and of themselves. And that's where sometimes newly enlightened Orthodox Christians or those who have converted who become Orthodox can get stuck in that sort of uh, spot in their faith walk. That's just been my observation anyway. Agreed. I agree, Father. What would you like to tell us about Saints Peter and Paul Apostolic Church and that will enhance and enrich our faith today? I don't think we're anything that special. I mean, I think the church is the church, and that's the beauty of it. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of a small town in Maine or you're in, you know, you're in Boston or you're in Texas or wherever you are. That's the beauty of the church is that it's universal and um, that what's happening in our community, it's really exciting. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I mean, fantastically exciting. I mean, in fact, pray for us. We're back to the gills. We're actually um, communicating right now about purchasing 10 more acres and building one of the most beautiful Orthodox churches in America, um, mm-hmm. you know, that will be a, a light, you know, to Orthodoxy here in this valley that people think is, is an LDS place. And uh, right. so it's really encouraging. And I would say that any parish can have that and doesn't have to, you know, it's we're not a cult of personality in orthodoxy. I mean, the priest, I think, needs to be serious and and serious about his faith and ascetical and, and love his people and dedicated to it totally and actually being healed by it, too, or at least trying to be like a, you know, fellow mm-hmm. broken person. But I think if people are serious about their faith, and I've seen this in Greek Orthodox Church, Russian Orthodox Church, Antioch, and I've seen not that, you know, and I think that the grace is the same as the early church. And, you know, I was reading somewhere that St. John Chrysostom, on the day he was he was uh, taken away to be exiled. It was the Holy Saturday, and they were doing the exorcisms, and there were 3,000 people who were beginning to be baptized. So we tend to get excited. You know, we had 25 last year in Pascha, and that's somehow impressive in America. But, I mean, if we really have our vision big and we really love love the faith and think it can change people, then, I mean, we shouldn't settle for that, you know, for 25. So I would say that any community with a priest who loves God and with people who are serious, and my recommendation is... It's not enough just to be, you know, kind of go to church and to be a club. Like, be serious. Like, love your priest. Go to confession. You know, fast. Receive Holy Communion. Like, read the read the scriptures every day. Like, be transformed by the life in Christ. And 
people are hungry. And they're just that simple, living the faith 2,000 years, that draws people if they're hungry. Well, Justin, it's been great talking to you. I can uh, do some shameless appeal here for Helena College and Holy Cross and say your church sounds to me like a perfect place for us to come and recruit the future leaders for orthodoxy in America. So we may come out there at some point, and with your blessing, of course, to speak to your community about how important it is to educate that next group of young clergy and also young laity, men and women, who are going to be those future uh, towers of faith, lights to the world. It's so, so important, as you know. Thank you for everything you do for the Lord, Father Justin. Bless you and your community, and have a great day. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Father Chris. I really appreciate it. Well, you've been sharing with us another edition of Come Receive the Light from the Orthodox Christian Network. Our host is Father Christopher Metropolis, and I'm Mike Trout. Two very important pieces of information as we wrap up today. One is that if you'd like to listen to this uh, conversation again or share it with somebody, just go to the website at myocn.net and click on the Listen button and select Come Receive the Light. And all of our archived programs will be right there, including this one. And we're a nonprofit outreach. You can participate with us financially in a number of ways. Just click on the Donate button button there on the homepage and find out all about those many ways. That's myocn.net. Until we meet again in a few days, remember to always have faith in what you listen to. I see the world your way, and I'm not afraid to follow. I see the world your way, and I'm not ashamed to say so. I see the Jesus way, and I'm walking in life.